Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table. This is the third in our little Christmas series about standing in the gospel. So we've talked about standing in the gospel with our children. How do we have truly gospel-centered conversations with our kids in this season of life? And how do we see where the world is creeping in and changing the conversation for our kids? And how can we combat that? And then last week we talked about How do we stand in the gospel with our expectations, with the ways that we believe maybe expectations are loaded on our shoulders? You know, we believe we should create certain memories or have certain events or do things in certain ways because we see it all around us. And instead, what does the gospel say about you and what are God's expectations for you? And I hope that that, uh, podcast episode was incredibly freeing for you, that you could know that he does not have an outcome that he is making sure that you are meeting, that in fact, he has gone all the way on your behalf and he welcomes you because of Jesus. So this week in this last one, we're going to talk about how do we stand in the gospel with our hearts? Now it may sound similar to um, our expectations, but I really want to help us pull this apart and analyze our hearts a little bit, analyze our feelings. You know, we're living in a day and an age where every woman I sit down with, um, talking with my own kids, talking with myself, spending time (laughs) just reflecting in my own heart, feelings are carrying a lot of weight. We are all engaged with our feelings, with what is going on in our heart. And what I mean by that is the heart of us that is the emotional heart. And we need to make sure as women who are walking with Jesus, standing strong in the gospel, that our hearts are secure in the right place in the gospel. Many of us in this time of year, have our hearts, our feelings a little bit scrambled or a little bit upset. We may wonder if we have God's attention. We may wonder if he's forgotten about us. Does he listen to us? Does he understand that this is hurting or that is hurting or we're sad about this or we miss this person? Whatever those feelings are, we want to begin to understand our position with God what the word says about our position with God so that we can have confidence to come before his throne and lay it all down and let him filter through our feelings and help us walk away in truth. So we're going to talk about that today. 
And we're going to, again, these are the last of three weeks. In each of these three weeks, we've really pretty much anchored in a lot of scripture. It'll be in the show notes again. But I want you to know that to stand in the gospel means you need to get in your word. The word will give you so much life. He will answer everything you need in the Bible. It is there for you. So I wanted to ask you a question. So I have eight kids and I have noticed a trend with all of my children, but I don't know if you have too. Uh, Have you ever had a child who refused to be put down? Have you ever experienced that? (laughs) Where like you want to get this child on the ground for whatever reason, maybe you want to let them walk into a nursery at church or into their school set, their little preschool setting Or perhaps you just need to put them down so you can stir a pot on the stove or whatever. And you're trying to disentangle their legs from around your hips and you're trying to gently lower them to the floor. And all they're doing is kind of scrambling back up you. Have you ever experienced that? Or is it just me? Like, and you can hold onto their armpits. And as you're holding them by their armpits, trying to pull them off of your body, their hands are just grabbing hold of your shirt and your sleeves and, and they are not going to let you go. It's like they're a Python or something, right? They just kind of encircle around you faster than you can get them off of you and get them to the ground. Well, most of my kids have done this. In fact, all of my kids have done this. And most of my kids really preferred my hip to any other place in the world for a season of time. They were the most content sitting right there on my hip, chattering in my ear because their head was right against my face, right? Laying heart to heart, right? Resting their head on my shoulder, perhaps, but totally attached to my side. And my, I always marveled because my kids could almost hold themselves there. I almost could use both hands to do all the work I maybe needed to do. In fact, there were many times where I would have one child on one hip and I would, you know, pull up another child just by picking up under their elbow and they could kind of wrap around the other side and we could keep going forward. And I'm sure for most of us, We remember those days or we are living inside of those days right now. And you're like, yes, all the time. But what I want you to think about today is why, why would a child feel most secure there? Why would it be from that position that my most shy child. And I had one child who was incredibly shy, but from that secure position of my hip, she would smile at other people who were trying to talk with her from that position. She would even sometimes reach out a hand and give a high five to somebody who wanted to try and get her to give a high five or a tater. She would do it. She would not do it from the floor. From the floor, she would be behind my leg and in between my legs with her face buried in the back of my knee, and that was it. She wasn't coming out. But in the security of my hip, she could interact with anybody. 
In fact, what was amazing is if I would scoop her up off the ground, even if I, even when I had children younger than her, I knew if I would scoop her up off the ground and let my more bold and animated younger child be on the ground, but if I could scoop her up and let her sit on my hip and we would talk and move amongst people like at a party or at a something like that before too long. She would actually be talking completely animatedly. I mean, just totally cheerfully and excitedly with anybody from my shoulder. And it would allow her to interact because she was secure. You see, the knowledge that that position calmed anxiety in new places with different people, with different experiences, that was, that was powerful. That allowed me to help her learn how to engage confidently with others. Well, I want to introduce this idea to you that scripture tells you that you are held, that you are held in that position with God on high, that you are not a child who has been left across the room and he's off somewhere else in the room doing something else. That he has not even said, just follow behind me. And if you follow behind me, you'll be fine. No, that God has promised scripturally that he has scooped you up and he has put you on his hip and he is holding you securely where your heart is as close to his heart as it can be. And that your, your mouth is as close to his ear and he is listening intently to everything you have to say. You know, I had two of my kids. I don't know. Did any, I would love to know if y'all would respond to me. Let me know if any of your kids did this. Two of my children, not all of them, but two of my kids would every time they want to talk to me. Now they're sitting on my hip, but every time they wanted to say something to me, they would take their little hand to my chin and turn my face to look straight at them. And then they would hold my face there as they told me whatever they wanted to tell me. Do you know that that's the invitation that God gives you? That, that is as, as intimate and as, as beautiful a position that you hold with your Abba Father. That because of Jesus, that he came at Christmas, that he may one day die for you, you are positioned right by his ear, right against his heart. And he is engaged in your life. He wants to hear the heart, the hearts that hurt. He wants to know the hearts that are angry. He wants to hear the way your heart has been wounded or betrayed. And he wants to do work there. But you and I are held. And I think I need to remember this truth in the Christmas season. You see, and it, and the interesting thing is there are lots of times that I have picked up my kids and held them and I'm kind of resigned to holding them. Like I know it's probably the only thing that's going to calm this kid down. The only thing that's going to stop the whining or help this child settle in. And I'm resigned to holding them, but that is not God's attitude towards you and me. He isn't resigned. Oh, I got to do this. No, we're, we are held securely and purposefully his full attention and his full protection holds you tight. In fact, John 10, 28 furthers that imagery and says that no one can snatch his sheep out of his hand. So what does that mean for our hearts? Well, oftentimes my heart, my emotions are just 
like huge storm waves, and it's just stirred up and full of crashing and um, thundering and just lots. And what we need to understand is that you and I can, can rest and we can actually allow our heart emotions to be calmed by the one who calmed the seas because he holds us fast and he doesn't get tired in the carrying. Psalm forty seventeen says this. It says, as for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. Over and over in scripture, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, and there are many, but his ear listens to every word you speak out loud or you silently cry in your bed. But do we know this? Do we know that this is our position? Do we realize that our heart beats against his as he holds us tightly? That his heart aches when we ache. He rejoices when we rejoice. You see the security of this season and really in every season is that he, it's found in who he is and he is your hiding place. He is your hiding place. You see, especially for my incredibly shy child, I was her hiding place. I could scoop her up. She could bury her head against my neck if she didn't want to talk to anyone else and almost hide. Totally secure. Totally knowing I was going to protect her. I was going to care for every bit of who she was. And as her heart was tended, and as her her little anxious self settled on my hip, she could slowly begin to peek out again at the world and then slowly begin to interact. But we need to understand that God says, I am your hiding place. Over and over, he says this. Psalm 32, 7, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble and you surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 119, 114, you are my hiding place and my shield and I wait for your word. Psalm 17, 8 says, hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 27, 5 says, in the secret place of his tent, he will hide me and he will lift me up on a rock. Do you understand that God is saying, I I want to be your refuge. I want to be your tower of strength. I want to be the place that you run to and that you stay positioned in. But he doesn't move. He doesn't change that posture. He doesn't say only if you ask me nicely, only if you behave well enough. We talked about that last week. There is no outcome that is necessary in order for you to gain his favor. His favor is fully yours because of what Jesus did on the cross. So if that feels sticky to you and you're not quite convinced, go back and listen to episode 107. You need it. You need to be in the word about it. Not in my words. But in that episode, you'll get God's word. Go and then hunker down in the word of God and understand it. But for today, I want you to understand. He goes, I am your hiding place. I am where you can sit securely. And you can wrestle through all your feelings because I so care for you. So how do we know that God cares for us? 
How is it, how is that said in scripture in a way that I can count on? That might be your next legitimate question. Well, one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 49:16. So we're going to start there. It says in Isaiah 49:16. Well, actually I'm going to start in Isaiah 49:14. The Hebrew people have been in captivity and so in this passage they are Zion. So that is the in Jerusalem is also called Zion. And so it's basically saying that Zion, the people of Jerusalem are saying, and this is what they're saying, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. So often our feelings say this. They say, you're forgotten. You're rejected. God forsaking is forsaking you. And the Hebrew people felt just the same. And honestly, if I had lived back then, I probably would have totally bought into those feelings. They're living in a destroyed land, totally in captivity. Their lives are horrible and they feel lost. And sometimes we can relate to this very well. In times and seasons like Christmas, it can really well up inside of our hearts. And sometimes we can pat that down and say, well, I just got to keep going. But my invitation in this episode is that you begin to let the Holy Spirit tug this loose because it needs tending. You need Jesus to set you free from the lie that says you've been forgotten or forsaken. So that's what Zion said. He said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. And this is what God says back. And so we're all mamas here. So I think we're going to identify with this next line. But this is what God says. He goes, can a woman forget her nursing child? That she would have no compassion for the son of her womb? And what God's saying is, wait a minute. Stop. Let me remind you of something. To the degree that a woman would never forsake, would never forget about a child she nursed and took care of. To the degree that a woman would never throw away the love and compassion she has for a child she birthed. He says, and then he said, so remember that. Think about that. How does that mother feel? Right. Then he says these words. He says, even those may forget. So even that woman may, may forget. She may forget about the child she nursed. We can think of those stories we've heard. We kind of go, how can that happen? Well, I mean, it can happen. And God goes, it could happen. And a woman may really turn her heart away from her child. That could happen because people are sinners. But this is what he says. He goes, yet I will not forget you. And then he says in verse 16, which is my favorite, behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. So back then, they would write, almost like in a tattoo form, something that they wanted to always remember and always love. In fact, slaves would have engraved on the palm of their hand their master's name. They could never get away from their master, right? They would, it would be written on them for forever. So isn't this an interesting picture that God is saying, While I am creator of the universe and the most high God, I have 
written you on my hand. I will never forget you. And what I love about this too, and I've looked at this across many different things, he actually, and he he doesn't say, I have engraved your name, Bethany. That's not what he says. In fact, that pronoun for you there, it gives the implication of my image, of what I look like, of everything about me, not just my name, all of me, all of you is, is engraved in the palm of, of God. And we know, gosh, I hope your next thought is, oh my goodness, think about Christ and what is on the palm of his hand. But understand it is not just a nail hole that he sees and thinks of you. It is you, him. It is you. He sees you. And he says, your walls are continually before me. That's an odd saying, right? Except for Zion, for these people in Jerusalem, their walls were destroyed. Everything was in rubble. And what he is saying here is I see everything that is broken, everything that is in ruin, everything that you feel like can never, never be resurrected, never be healed, never be fixed, never be whole. I see it all. And it's continually before me. I see all of your heartache. I saw, I see all of your pain. I see it all. It is always in front of me. And he is saying, I I care for it. You see, God is taking your name and mine, your image and mine, and inscribe them on his palm. God looks at his son, and our image is carved on his son's hands, and it extends these deep wellsprings of grace over our lives. And his love flows over all the places of your soul and my soul that need it. He remembers you. And then that ties in interestingly. So this is Old Testament, right? So let's scoot over to Hebrews 13 because I like it. I love it. The scripture is so consistent. God's word says it again and again. So it's not just an Old Testament promise. This is new covenant spoken over what was Old Old Testament. I want you to understand this is for you. But Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, he says this. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see, often I struggle with reversing this. And what I mean by that is I, in the truth of God's word, I am an object, not the subject, right? God says, I have engraved you on my hands. So who's the subject? The subject I is God. He's done the engraving. He says, you are continually before me. He is the one who is the subject of this conversation. But what I will often do is I will switch it. We talked about this a little bit last week with outcome, believing in outcome, believing that my work has something to do with God's response. And so I will switch it and I will say, well, I, I have to make sure that I am keeping God always before me. 
I am, if, and if I don't, then God is, then he's not thinking about me because I haven't been thinking about him. And what we need to remember is that, and this, this is a quote from Spurgeon, but I just love it, especially at this Christmas time. He says, Jesus can give nothing. He can take nothing. He can do nothing. And he can hold nothing without remembering you. Because you are written on his hand. He always has have he always has you and he has me on his mind because his hands prove it. You know, we need to oftentimes remember this because what instead happens is we fear that he's forgotten about us. Maybe he's just a little apathetic about us. A little tepid, like not super interested, but sort of interested. We kind of feel apologetic by sharing our hurt again with him. Sorry, I'm still dealing with this. When what God really invites you to do is say, you are a welcome child popped up on my hip, mouth next to my ear. I'm leaning in. I'm listening. I'm intent with you. Your walls are continually before me. I think about you all the time. You specifically, it is not a you of in general, like all of us. It is a you, a specific you. So when we're dealing with our heart and we're struggling with feelings and we sometimes stuff them down so that we can keep going with the memories of the moment and the excitement of the moment, we are missing the beauty of allowing God to tend to our soul, attend to our hearts, to hear our feelings, and then give us answer for our feelings with his truth and his word and who he sees us as. It's so important that we are, as women, let our feelings sit before holy God. And sometimes he may say that your feelings can lead to bitterness and resentment. And so he's going to call you to forgive and he's going to call you to let go. And he's going to invite you into hard places with him, but know that he is holding you tightly in those places. And he does not let you go. He is your hiding place. He is the one who takes thought for you. He promises to be your hiding place. He promises to be your tower of refuge because you are engraved on the palms of his hand and there is nothing he does that does not include thoughts of you. We will have all these things in the show notes. And as always, I love it when you reach out to me, when you let me know your thoughts, when you let me know uh, what you're struggling with. But more than anything, I want you to know that being in God's word in this season will be such a strong defense for you dig into his word spend time with what he says about you what he speaks over you and what he promises you i hope you enjoyed this episode of when god breaks through if you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments head over to bethanykimsey.com 
That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.